What is going on, everybody? It is your boys, though, with my co-host, Mr. Cantu, on the other side. How you doing? Good, good. It's a nice Friday morning, getting ready to record. Everything's good. You already know. We already had to get the coffee out, too. I, I know. I don't know if you have your coffee on you, but I got my coffee with me. I finished mine already. Shoot, well, I'm, I'm barely getting started with mine. Uh, yeah, busy morning for me, but... No one wants to hear about that. Everybody wants to hear what's going on around Major League Baseball, what's going on. And this is our third episode. We're titling it Cy Young Favorites. I mean, obviously, this past week, we saw some Cy Young pitchers out there going from Spencer Strider to Zach Gallen. We got a couple of Cy Young candidates coming up with Shane McClanahan pitching this weekend. Um, so, let's. I mean, Angel, do you want to start us off? I mean, there, there was a wild series. That, honestly, this could be the NLCS matchup uh, this coming year. So, let everybody know who was that. Yeah, if this Diamondbacks versus Braves preview we just saw, series we just saw was a preview to the playoffs. Oh, my God. Get ready. Buckle your seatbelts because this playoff was going to be crazy. This series was crazy. And we kind of, and then we talked about it in our last podcast that this was going to be a key series for the Diamondbacks and they came firing that first game honestly after every after every Braves run I thought they were going to take it away because that's just the team they are but shout out to Arizona who didn't give in and they won the first game in a wild 16 to 13 game now the crazy thing you, you see 16 13 and you say well you know there's a bunch of home runs both teams only hit two home runs in that game <laughs> so it was a bunch of doubles and just clutch hitting were you going to say something? No, no, I wasn't going to say none. I mean, that's just crazy, though. Now, 16-13, you think that's a football score. But yeah. the, the Arizona Cardinals and the Atlanta Falcons are playing that day. Yeah, winning Georgia by a field them. goal. Winning by a field <laughs> goal, right? But, no, it was a great game. And I was watching game three of that series um, of the Arizona Braves, and the announcers kept calling the Arizona Diamondbacks the answer backs because it literally was yeah. like that. When the Braves would do something, Arizona countered. When Arizona did something, the Braves would counter, right? And at the end of the day, Arizona got the best of the Braves in that game one. Game two was, I think, the only normal game, five to three, but there was an epic comeback for Arizona as well in that one. And then game three. That's if you think game one was an offensive pack, well, game three was a pitching performance. Two Cy Young contenders, Spencer Strider and Zach Gadden, they both look great. Both different, though. Zach yeah. Allen had five strikeouts, but he was perfect through five innings. I think the announcers kind of jinxed that one. Again, I was watching that saying, like that 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 game, and they kept saying, "Oh, Zach Allen has a perfect game going." I was like, "Just dude, stop, stop, like, <laughs> like, don't even don't jinx it. it." Yeah, but after that, Orlando Garcia hits a, a home run in the sixth inning that ends both the no hitter and the perfect game. But Spencer Strider, thirteen strikeouts. Gosh. He had I. If I'm not mistaken, he had double-digit strikeouts by the fourth inning. That's how dominant he was. And he uh, he allowed a leadoff triple to Keto Marte. After that, struck out the side. That's how wow. dominant he was. Um, Austin Riley, I believe he was the MVP of that series. Six yes. for 13 with four home runs and 11 RBIs, one including a seven RBI game in that game one against, um, against Arizona. That was... That was crazy series. But again, if this is what the playoff and a playoff picture is going to look like, I'm excited. Oh, you have to be. Uh, speaking of Spencer Strider, real quick, I, I pulled up his stat 13.81. That is his strikeout per nine. And that's wow. in 2022. 2023, 
14.58 is his strikeout per nine innings. I mean, this guy racks up strikeouts like nothing. And I mean, the, I don't know what it is. I mean, he he drives through them legs. Have, have you not seen his quads in them pants? Like, they're they're the size of probably if you combine my calf leg muscle and my bicep together. That's how big his freaking quads are. But both of them, I mean, both teams. I mean, Arizona was really the storyline of that series yeah. Um, because it's a young group. You got Lourdes Gurriel Jr. I mean, that's a good player from, coming from Toronto. Gabe Moreno's a young catching prospect, the number one prospect from Toronto when they got that trade deal. Uh, Corbin Carroll having an MVP season. Even though he's a rookie, he is playing like an MVP, like he's been in this league before. And then, of course, Zach Gallen. I mean, this guy's going to win. It's either him or Strider, to be honest with you. And we're going to talk about that later throughout our show. Um, what a performance he did. Yes. And then also speaking of Spencer Strider, this is from ESPN Stats and Info. Spencer Strider now has 354 strikeouts in his first 40 career starts. Most by any pitcher since the mount was set to its current distance in 1893. My God. I mean, that that is a fascinating stat. uh, Not stat. Stat. Um, And then another thing I wanted to mention, too, at MLB Central had this on MLB Network. They showed the Braves All-Stars and their contract end dates, okay? That's... So I'm going to the left. Austin Riley, 2032. Spencer Strider, 2029. Sean Murphy, 2029. Orlando Arcia, he's the lowest, 2026. Ozzy Albies, 2027. Ronald Acuna Jr., 2028. Matt Olson, 2030. Bryce Elder, 2029. Wow. This team is built for a dynasty run, honestly. If they, can, if they can actually, I, I could honestly, I could see three World Series appearances and maybe impossibly winning all three of those because they have the team. This is almost like the 1990 Braves, but a lot better. Offense is way better. Um, I don't know about pitching. Pitching, you had John Smoltz, Tom Glavin, and Greg Maddox in the 90s. That's, that's, that's kind of hard. That's yeah, that, Hall of Famers right there. Um, so I, I think the 90 Braves got the pitching on that, but the offense wise, I mean, one through nine through this lineup, dude, is just stacked. Well, and, yeah, like putting off that, Orlando Garcia was an eighth, and he yeah. had the, like that, that's right. the crazy thing about this. Like, they lost Dansby Swanson from, uh, from free agency last year, and they were trying to figure out if Von Grisham was going to be the guy. And Orlando Garcia said, Hold up, I mean, I've been in this league, I've been on this team before. Let me show out. And he did show out, got his first all-star appearance this year as well. Um, I mean, Austin Riley went, I don't know which game it was, had two home runs and seven RBIs total. That was game one of the Arizona series. Yeah, so I mean, and then Austin Riley, one of those games too, that he had like the go-ahead home run. Uh, it was a three-run home run. I mean, this guy is going to be MVP at least this uh, 2020 part of uh, the decade. Oh, yeah. And Matt Olson even had two home runs too, and and I think he was the least guy spoken about. It was again, it he, was, and he's having an MVP season. I, I told you this before. If if um who is it, Ronald Acuna Jr. If he's not having what he's doing right now, he's I, I'm pretty sure he's gonna get a 40-40 this year. If not, if it's not this year, it's next because this guy's a stud. He's an athlete, five tool player. That's what you want in a guy. But Matt Olson has to be the second guy at runner up for this MVP because he is having a career season night he's what i don't know for like 90 something games in 92 93 
And he's already having a better season than he had in his first year in Atlanta and his last year in Oakland. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, this guy is set up for – I mean, this whole team is set up for success, dude. I mean, the Braves are going to be – they're basically going to be the Dodgers from last – this past decade. Yeah, I agree. And I know there was a lot to unpack in the series, but did you see that Ginkle versus Acuna feud? Oh, yeah, where he walked to third base. I mean – yeah, that's just – I feel like that's just Acuna playing mind games on that one because at the end of the day – because after two pitches later, he threw a wild pitch and yeah. Acuna scored. You see that little stare down he did? Yeah. Like, Literally, as stepping on the plane, just looking at him, giving him yeah. a little side eye. The ever, since, since we're talking about the Braves, did you see the – there was a video out there servicing on social media with Beat the Freeze, of course. That, that's a big oh, thing yeah. in Atlanta. And that kid Man. was so close to beating him and he just lost it at the end i mean when you're when your legs are going that fast i mean you can't control yeah um you know and that's that's very tough especially lose right there by the by the marker hey but he hey, but he did a good strategy i don't know if you saw the whole thing so he was like kind of jogging mm-hmm. um and right when he hit that corner when he needed a freeze was coming he like booked it and he almost had it but again that that epic dive i think that's the second time it happens remember that first one who was like trying yeah. to like He's like, like he was already gloating and so he's gonna win and he just trips ass. Well, I mean that one was a marathon at first and then it was a sprint and it's usually you know what people that's the little saying it's not a sprint it's a marathon but MLB I mean they revealed their logo for 2024 for the All Star game obviously this past uh, All Star game was in Seattle previous ones we're gonna talk about and that, I mean that's gonna be the subject of this topic I mean the Texas Rangers are gonna be hosting the 2024 All-Star Game in Arlington, Texas. Not Dallas, Texas. Arlington, Texas. The Texas Rangers. Um, I, I think they've already announced it over there, too, at Globe Life Field. Chris Young, the GM and owner of the Rangers, and Pudge Rodriguez was out there, too. So it's pretty good. I mean, but at the same time, too, that Texas heat ain't no joke in the summertime. So, I mean, for people who are going to be traveling to Texas, you better bring a big so water jug. Big water jug. And if you're staying for five days, you better buy two cases of water because it's going to be hot out there. So since we're on the subject of the MLB logos, I mean, we're going to show the – this is 2019, but we're going to rank them. This is the 2024 MLB All-Star logo. Okay, I mean, it looks nice. Obviously, it has the state of Texas. Um, little spurs, if you can see, very closely in there around the state. And, of course, on top, it says Texas with the red embroidery. So we're going to rank these, ranking the last five All-Star Game logos. 2021 was supposed to be the Atlanta Braves. We had that on there, but we decided to take it off since they didn't get to host it, and it was the Colorado Rockies. So without further ado, Angel, 2019, let's start right there. Cleveland, of course, the guitar, you see the little symbol, and then they got the seams outlining the guitar, and then the strings being the All-Star Game. Are we reading them like... Our top five or like based on a number? We could do five being the best, one not being the best. Okay. So okay, five so the best, one not the best. Yeah. So right here, we'll, we'll go through them real quick. I'm just showing 2019, 2021, 2020. Obviously, we didn't have one because of COVID. That was a COVID season. Uh, 2021 was the alternate alternate site for the All-Star game. That was the next best option. Colorado hosted it. Um, great atmosphere, great city as well. And Denver, LA, Los Angeles Dodgers hosted the 2022 All Star Game. 
2023, like I just said, just passed. It was the Seattle Mariners in Seattle, Washington, and then Texas Rangers in Arlington, Texas. So, Angel, I mean, which one? I mean, come on. You got to go from five to one. Which is going to be the best? Give me the least. So, I'm going to start with the least. To okay. Say top. But, man, all of these are really great. Like, the, the designs are like are amazing. But my least favorite, I would say, is the Dodgers one, 2022. I think that's a little bit more basic one. Um, than the rest so that would be my least favorite second to that would be the cleveland all-star game i love the guitar uh i love it but i think just the other two are really really great after that will be colorado rockies again a great design i love the mountains now my top two coming in second the seattle all-star game one that was, was great don't get me wrong that was great but I just love the Texas one, and I'll be like the first one. And Texas takes it at the top. I mean, 2024 yes. is the day, I mean, the year that they're going to host it, which is next year. Uh, 2025 is still up in the air. Um, teams that could be potentially hosting it, I believe, would be Baltimore, being the cities, the Orioles, the Red Sox, the Cubs, the Astros. I think the Astros won't do 2025 just because, I mean, you're in Texas in 2024 already. I don't think it would be necessary to do another Texas one for the following year. 2026 would be the the Phillies hosting in Philadelphia. So I think those are the sites and, you know, potential sites that can have it for 2025. But here I go real quick. Let me do mine real quick. Uh, starting at number five, I got to go with the guitar. I mean – I understand why, it, if you don't know, Cleveland is the, I think they have the Hall of Fame Museum of Rock and Roll or something like that uh, over there. Of course, I understand, but I do like the guitar as well, like you were saying. I like the baseball themes to outline the guitar. My next one, I got to go with the L.A. Dodgers and um, being the 2022 All-Star Game. Like I said, it's basic. Um the only thing you could really see is because of the – if you haven't seen their scoreboards out there in the background of the All-Star game, it shows right there. So I'll go with that with number four. Number three. Hmm. It's between these three. I got to go with Texas. Okay. I'm not a big fan of it. I think it could have been a little bit better. But, you know, not nothing wrong. I, that's just my opinion. I do like the star in the middle, too, of where it says All-Star game usually has that dash. But. Yeah, I'll have to go with that with number three. Number two for me is going to be Colorado. Um, I mean, I love the mountains, of course, with the purple and black. Uh, if you go see the skyline, too, when you're if you're at a Rockies game, too, and you're sitting really anywhere in the bleachers, not in the bleachers, but in the seats, and but you could even be sitting in the nosebleeds. I mean, it's a perfect view seeing the Rocky Mountains in the background, and that just goes with the star, and you see, obviously, with the mountains. And number one for me, dude, I mean, it was just this past year's All-Star game. I think they knocked it out of the park with it. Um, I, I don't know the mountain by the top of my head, so no one give me some crap about it. I think it's Mount Rainer, I think, in Seattle, Washington. I like the little sunset, too, at the, at the top with the Space Needle on the left and then the pine trees right there on the right. If they would have found a way to put that Pike Place Market, which is, is a tourist attraction over there, on here some way, somehow, I thought it would have looked nice, but beautiful logo. I think this one was one of my favorites so far this year. I can see that. It's very detailed. Very, sure. very detailed as well. So since we're still ranking and things like that, I mean, 
we got to talk about something else too. Speaking of like fashion and designing and all that, and that's Mr. Smile himself, Mr. Francisco Lindor. Look at that. I, I even got the jersey right there, Sean, from his Cleveland days, which I think he was a better player in Cleveland than right now as he is a Met. But if you remember, Angel, and I don't know, I'm pretty sure everyone's seen it on social media that Francisco Lindor, Rawlings, and Gucci showcased a Gucci glove, which we'll show in a minute. And that is like the rarest thing anybody has done. And I don't think any other type of player has done that with their glove. And Francisco Lindor is a big fashion guy from the drip that he wears, you know, to the clubhouse, leaving the clubhouse, uh, even in the all-star games. And now he's taking it onto the field with the cleats and the glove, the batting gloves, uh, the hair. I mean, you've seen the hair. It's like blue as well. Uh, he, he cut off his hair, though, sadly. But now he brings in a new glove, dude. I don't know if you've seen it. We'll show it right now. Um, of course, right now what we're going to show is the um, his gloves that he has worn previously to his games. This was a Jackie Robinson glove that he had uh, showcased for Jackie Robinson Day. Really nice. This one, I am not too sure what it was for. It looks like Mother's Day, maybe. It could be Mother's Day. It could be, you know, because, too, he just had a baby girl as well for the birth of his daughter uh, with the flowers. And he has two girls now, so congratulations to him. And then the Gucci glove, like we were talking about. I mean, that that's pretty damn good. I mean, I wouldn't even want to play with it, honestly. I mean, I would say that. That could be worth millions or billions or trillions and in the upcoming years, whenever it gets to like 2070, when we're like old and wrinkly as hell. Then this is the glove that was showcased out there. I tried putting a video out here. I couldn't find the video, but this is the glove. It is a see-through glove apparently too. Black, white. It looks like a like if you look in space, like a galaxy kind of glove. Um, it looks really nice. But Angel, I got to ask you this. Since we ranked the All-Star logos, I mean, I'm, I'm not asking for a ranking on this one, but I do want to know which one's your favorite. I'd say my favorite is the Gucci one. Uh, the Gucci. Yeah, the clear one's cool and all, but, I, you know, I feel it would get hot. Like, you know, it's that plastic material. Yeah. So, but I think my favorite one's the Gucci one for sure. I like the colors, and mm. we can't go wrong with Gucci. You can't, but at the same time, too, you don't want to ruin Gucci as yes. well. Just think about what, you know – like not really getting off topic, but right. social, you know, being on like if you think about people walking with Gucci purses and Gucci belts and handbags, I wouldn't want somebody to just come up like a robber, just come up to me and just try to take my glove now. Man, but I'm sure Francisco Lindor makes enough money. He ain't concerned about I'm sure he has I'm sure he doesn't have just one copy of this Gucci glove. I'm sure he has like I mean it, it's it's rare, dude. It, it's like literally one of one gloves out there. Wipes his butt with dollar bills anyway, so I think he's, <laughs> yeah, he's concerned about that. Oh, shoot. All right, you got Gucci glove. I mean, I'm not opposed to the Galaxy one, but like you said, with the plastic, I, I don't really not, don't like it. I got to go with the baby, um, with the flowers. It, it looks like, you know, it's a very cute design. I mean, honestly, it could be, you know, family related. Like you said, it could be Mother's Day. I really didn't get to get the whole info about this glove. But I mean, it, like it resembles something when he's on the field. Gucci, I mean, Gucci's Gucci, but you can't take this away if it's like a family thing. If you're like, you know, the the flowers could resemblance your your family, your wife, your kids, your mother, um, and then the baby blue too. It looks like if it's a sky with the flowers, you know, right there and the sky being in the background of it with that baby blue. 
Um, so yeah, I, I gotta go with this one. This one's pretty nice, but of course, you know, Francisco Lindor is always gonna show out that fashion. If it's not on the field, it's gonna be in the clubhouse, not in the clubhouse. It's gonna be somewhere in freaking New York because this guy's living the life over there. Definitely, definitely. But that is all for our fashion game. We also this is an MLB podcast, so we'll be talking about key matchups coming up. Go ahead. Not just that, I forgotta say that is our fashion Friday. Well, we were gonna oh, try to do that go. more often now. Fashion Friday. Fashion yeah, Friday. I, I forgot to even mention that before we even started that segment, but yeah. Go ahead. Give us what them key matchups, man. All right. Now that Fashion Friday, which I like the name, by the way, has concluded. It's time for our key matchups. Again, yesterday we did not fail in naming the key matchup would be Arizona and Braves. Now we got some more key net matchups. We got Orioles versus Tampa Bay. I don't know if we saw the game yesterday, though, but the Orioles won. It was Kyle Gibson versus Tyler Glass now, which kind of looks like the guy from Oppenheimer. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, they did not disappoint. It went to extras. Felix Bautista got the win. And with that, the Orioles are now in first place in the AOE wow. division. The Tampa Bay Rays owned that division since opening day. And now they have turned the tables. I think Tampa Bay, if I'm not mistaken, they started the season 30 and 9. After that, they're 30 and 31. Wow, man. Like, they're, they're regressing now. That, yeah, that's not a good sign if you're a Tampa Bay Rays fan. No, yeah, I think they should have uh, saved a few of those wins for later in the season. But game two is going to be another a pitching matchup. Kyle Bradish and Zach Eflin, both names you don't typically hear, but both have had a good season so far. Grayson Rodriguez, top prospect for the Orioles versus Shane McClanahan. So it's like the rookie and the vet on that one. Uh, and then game four, Tyler Wells versus Taj Bradley. Now, I don't know. I didn't match up to see it game three on this one. Grayson Rodriguez versus Shane McClanahan. Because if the Orioles win, that's going to be a much-needed game for the Tampa Bay Rays. And who else to, to, to change their fortunes and their ace, Shane McClanahan, on the mound, which he yeah. could potentially be an AL Cy Young candidate as well. But now that we know these matchups, we know this is a big series because, again, Tampa Bay and Orioles are battling for the AL East. Again, Orioles just regained, like, just dethroned the Tampa Bay Rays in the AL East. So, Zoe, who is going to be your key player in order to – the star of the series. I think for me, it's going to be Shane McClanahan. I mean, this guy is your ace for a reason. You got to put him out there. Um, he had dealt with the injury, but I mean, the, the, the guy's 11 and one with a 256 ERA. I think that's the best in American League. Um, and like you said, I mean, if the O's win game two, who do you want on that mound for the next day? And that's going to be your ace, being Shane McClanahan. And I mean, he's had a good season. He had a good season last year, too. I think he was top five in the Cy Young. Um, voting and this year, I mean, he's he's one and two with Framber Valdez. I think it's just him and Framber Valdez. Um, who else? Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole's having a good season too for the Yankees. Uh, Yankees too. Well, we got to talk about that later through the show. But yeah, if I'm a guy and I need somebody to go out there and get us a dub, I think McClanahan has the guy to go to. Okay, I like it. I'm gonna go with Anthony Santander for the Orioles. I think this is a series where if the Orioles are serious about. Uh, contending in the AOE. This is a series they need to take. And Adley Rushman, Adley Rushman can do everything. So I think Anthony Santander needs to step up in that offensive role. And if he does, it'll be an interesting game. Interesting series overall. Yeah, it's going to be a very interesting series to see who gets that the first in division. Like you were saying too, eh? the Rays had that since opening day. I mean, they had a what, a 10-game winning streak or something like that? 13. They, 
And then not just that, playing at home too. They had an undefeated record until I think, I think it was the Astros, the Astros. that went over there and got their, um, gave them their first loss. I mean, Rays have been good. Don't don't take that away from them. They still got a good squad and everything. But I mean, the Orioles are creeping up. Trade deadline's coming up too. Uh, I'm pretty sure the O's are going to be looking for somebody to help them up. Um, you know, get past and you know keep that number one spot in the AL East. Yeah. So actually, the Orioles have lost less games than the Rays. The Orioles are 59 and 37. The Rays are 60 and 40. So mm. yeah. So literally, the Orioles are on. T- so the Rays have a 600 winning percentage. And the Orioles have a 615. So even though they have, like, the Orioles have one one less game than the Rays, they're still in the first place because of that winning percentage, and they play less games than the Rays as well. So again, they're eight and two. The Orioles are eight and two in their last ten games. The Rays are three and seven in their last ten games. Yeah. And then. Yeah. So just to mention how um, how you were saying how the Rays have been great at home. So at home, they're 35 and 16. Away, 25 and 24. So, hey, if you're going to be a postseason team, too, you got to find a way. You got to find a way, especially if you're going to be in that wild card. Yeah, for sure. I agree with you 100%. But our next key matchup, Diamondbacks versus Reds. This would be a great one to see. Yeah. The Reds are coming um, – coming in with a win. They had a four-game losing streak, and then now they took one against, I believe, the Giants, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just talked about how great the Diamondbacks were. Now, the Diamondbacks are two games behind the Dodgers in first place, from, from first place, but and the Reds are two and a half games back from the Brewers. Yeah, in, in that first, first series. In yeah. that first series when the Brewers just went off on them. Hey, but, I, like, I know we're talking about the Brewers in a little bit, but watch out. Definitely, they're 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 starting to figure it out now. Yeah. So game one, Tommy Henry versus Ben Lively, and then a couple of to be determined by the Diamondbacks as they're trying to figure out their rotation. But the Reds will be throwing Brandon Williamson in the second game, Luke Weaver in the third game. Again, I feel like this is a series that both must win in order to gain traction in their division because two and a half games not much, but once you start fighting with three, four, five, it's kind of hard to catch up after that. Yeah. So who are your key players for this series, Lorenzo? So my key player from the last one we had talked about, like it was the Giants and the Reds, I had Andrew Abbott, and that man shoved against mm-hmm. the Giants in that last game to give him the dub. But I'm going to go with another rookie. I mean, this is this this series is a bunch of rookies, man. They're, they're going to be showing out. And uh, this one, I got to go with Matt McClain. Um, I mean, he's been very consistent for the Reds being that shortstop and in the offensive role in that lineup. Uh, I believe he's hitting just at 300 or just under 300 after the All-Star break. Uh, I mean, this guy is the one to set the table for them. I'm not sure they're, they're, he's the number one or number two guy in that lineup. I mean, but I, I think he he's the guy that you got to go with, uh, especially if he's going to get on and give the opportunities and pass the baton to guys like Ellie De La Cruz, Christian Encarnacion, uh, Joey Votto as well. I mean, He's the guy, so I think he's going to be very important in this series against the D-backs. Yeah, shout out to Matt McCain. Like, you must, like, I'm sure he, like, he is a really great shortstop when he moves Elite De La Cruz to third base and he stays at shortstop. Because, yeah. like, Elite De La Cruz came into the majors as a shortstop as well, but he was moved to third base. But not just not just that. Let me mention that too. Matt McClain's a shortstop. Okay, De La Cruz was a shortstop, but had to move third base. Christian Encarnacion and Triple A was at third base. Now he's at first base or DH. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, they're, they're just trying to be mobile as much as they can, be versatile, you know, be in a utility kind of role. 
uh, wherever they're going to be in the best position to put them in number one in that central, man. Yeah, and everyone, um, and Carnesone's trying to also uh, play a little bit outfield in AAA too. So I'm going to try to fit them anywhere. Um, yeah. But did you see Elida Cruz's 99.8 relay throw from. Dude, I... he, he just breaks the stack cast at this point. They. <laughs> You know, you got to give a shout out to Benson as well in left field for getting that ball in quick. But De La Cruz is the one that got it in big time. And in the Statcast era, I saw on a, I think I saw on our MLB Network, three cruises lead that over ninety five miles per hour as a cutoff. De La Cruz has two of them. Oh wow! The other cruise is O'Neill Cruz, and nobody's talking about O'Neill Cruz because right now. He's on the IL uh, dealing with that injury he had against the White Sox. I think that was like in April, I believe. Uh, I think he's be, he's going to be set to come back either in August or – yeah, it has to be August or, or late July. Yeah, something like that. But, I mean, De La Cruz, I mean, this Reds team just – oh, my God. I mean, they're, set up, they're setting up. If they don't trade any prospects, they could be running the Central soon. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. But I'm going to go with the Diamondbacks. As um, for my three players, be Corbin Carroll. I had Zach Gallen last week for Arizona, last time for Arizona, and he and he did all he could. But mm-hmm. that race seems just too good, and they ended up losing that game. But again, he was perfect through five. So my my players, Corbin Carroll, he did hit a home run again in in, in a game three against the Braves, and he's been great. He's been right, right now. He's a front runner for NL Rookie of the Year. I feel like if Elida Cruz came in a little bit earlier, like around opening day, I would have been mm-hmm. a battle. Yeah. As a Julio Rodriguez, Jeremy Pena type of battle for uh, Rookie of the Year. But I think Corbin Carroll, even with whether the Cruz playing well, he's just, I mean, he's just running away with that title. So, again, he's young right now, but I think that team can rally around him as well. So, if he gets going, everybody else gets going. And I think, and he's a, like, he's a table setter. He bets lead off for a reason. So, mm-hmm. There you go. Like if he gets on, good things happen. Yeah, I was about to say speed kills too with that kid because my gosh, that he is a literally he's flash because he is quick around the bases. I don't know if you saw. I think he had a strikeout. I don't know which game it was. He had a strikeout throwing air by I believe it was the catcher to first. The kid ends up at third base, home to third base on a strikeout. Like how? Like that is just crazy. That's Godspeed right there. That I mean, athleticism at its finest right there by Corbin Carroll. But that's a five-tool kind of guy, too, that you would want, just like uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. Corbin Carroll could be seeing some MVP. If not the voting this year, I mean, he's going to be an MVP candidate for a good co- uh, years to come. But Yeah, um, when I wrote about the NL Rookie of the Year for Arsena, I did mention, like, if you can out-homer Jordan Walker, like, with that stinky pop, He's it, and he's showing. I think he's almost a double-digit home run. I mean, almost at 20 home runs, so it's crazy. Yeah, very crazy how this game has changed from, you know, contact to now power. The power. I don't know if it's the Goldilocks balls or if it's just raw power from these players, but uh, since we're talking about an NL West team that you had just said with the Dimebacks, the guys that's always been atop, the Los Angeles Dodgers. They're going to Arlington for the first time, I believe, since – I, I think this is just the top of my head. I think it's the 2020 World Series since they've gone to Arlington to play a globe like field against the Texas Rangers. And I think this is going to be a good matchup Two top of the teams in their respective divisions in the AL and NL West. Uh, game one, you got Tony Gonsolin pitching for the Dodgers going against Andrew Heaney for the Rangers. Game two, you got Bobby Miller, a rookie, going against Dane Dunning. 
And game three, another rookie for the Dodgers, Emmett Sheehan versus the vet, Martin Perez. But, I mean, I think this is going to be a very offensive game. I mean, the pitching matchups do set up pretty good. Uh, Bobby Miller and Dane Dunning. Dane Dunning, I don't think, had a great year for the Rangers last year as a starting pitcher. They had to put them in a relieving role. But, yeah, he's doing very good this year. I think two could be uh, the hiring of Bruce Bochy and the pitching coach that they got from the Cardinals being Maddox. I think Maddox has been a big plus for the Rangers because that that pitching staff, that starting rotation just looks very unstoppable right now. That's the Maddox effects for sure. Cause just look how St. Louis's uh pitching performances have been lately. So yeah, it's been very tough to see for St. Louis fans. But Angel, I mean, you've already asked me about the key players and the matchups that we said prior. I mean, I'm gonna tell you, I mean, who who's it gonna be from these from this game? I mean, who do you think that takes the series as well? If the Rangers wanna beat the uh Dodgers, again, they have a great offensive talent. It can be anybody, but Adoles Garcia is the guy who we're looking at. He is the RBI leader for a reason. You know, give him opportunities to bring runners in, and he is clutch. He, I think he, I think he's almost either he's at 80 RBIs or he's close to 80 RBIs. Um, I can see him adding more to that number. Yeah, El Bombi is El Bombi for a reason. That boy could hit out of the park. But I'm going to go with another Ranger, and before I say that, Rangers are undefeated, too. They swept the Guardians, and they swept the Rays. So, they're they're hot right now. But my guy's going to be cool. Yeah, they're not not making it easy for the Astros. Yeah, the Astros are, I believe, four games back in that AL West. Oh, I see. You're right. Four, I think. Yeah, so it's going to be tough for them to try to climb back and get into the division. But my guy's going to be Corey Seager. Um, After that injury, different player. I mean, offensive, and he is an offensive juggernaut in that lineup right now. 346, 14 home runs, 57 RBIs, uh, all star for a reason. I believe if Shohei Otani is not doing what he's doing because Otani's Otani, no one's going <laughs> to, a pitcher and a hitter at the same time, 600 mil man right there. Um, I, I think Corey Seager could be the next guy up for that AO MVP. I mean, Alvarez and uh, Aaron Judge right now are hurt. No one's talking about anybody else. And Corey Seager has to be the guy that's kind of second into that MVP runner for the, you know, for most valuable play in the American League. But I think Corey Seager's had a great year offensively for the Texas Rangers. They finally got to see the Corey Seager from L.A. And even Seager, he's going to be playing against his former team, the Dodgers. And I think a big thing, too, with Seager is the shift ban. I mean, if you remember, he was like the number one guy to hit into the shift. And with the shift being gone, it's just been a different breed of Corey Seager. So I think he's going to be the key player uh, for the Rangers. And honestly, I think the Rangers take this series too. At least win two games. They could possibly honestly sweep with two rookie pitchers. And, you know, nothing against Bobby Miller and Emmett Sheehan. They both have been doing really well for that Dodgers starting rotation. But an offensive team like the Rangers that have Adolis Garcia, Marcus Simeon, Corey Seager, Josh Jung, another rookie too, setting the you know world on fire. I mean, this team is set for a postseason run. I agree with you 100%. This would be a great series to watch. Yeah, it is. And then another good series that's going to be on, you know, we did see the Braves and Diamondbacks. How about the Braves and Brewers? Uh, Corbin Burns coming off that last game against um, against the Philadelphia Phillies. I mean, that was a great, outstanding performance. You're probably not going to see him this series against the uh, Braves. But game one, you got Mike 
Soroka versus Freddie Peralta. Game two, Braves still have yet to say who is going to be, but you got Adrian Hauser going for the Brewers. And then game three, you got Bryce Elder versus Julio Tehran, which Julio Tehran has pitched for the Braves, but he has also pitched very well for the Brewers uh, coming into play. But, Angel, I mean, who's going to be the key player? Who, who's going to be? Because these teams, number one in the Central, number one in the East, it's, it's going to be a dogfight, I think. Yeah, when you look at the Brewers' offensive lineup, like you're not really like, oh, like this guy is a future MVP, this guy's a Hall of Famer, but they do the little things right. And it starts with Christian Yelich. I think Christian Yelich is doing is having a resurgence of a season. That's a Christian Yelich that was in Miami when he was almost MVP and when he was yeah. an All Star, and he's doing like like he's doing it again. I think he's homered, uh, um, I think more than 15 times. He's the leadoff hitter for a reason. He's the table setter for a reason. And the Brewers are riding around Christian Yelich, and he is the leader in that clubhouse. So if he has a big game, the Brewers always stand a chance. Yeah. Um, I mean, 2018 MVP for a reason in the National League. Uh, was I think it was either 2018 or 2019, one of those years, um, he was MVP. So, yeah, I'm not saying nothing against Yelich because after Yelich has – I mean, Christian Yelich is looking like the vintage Yelich, the MVP Yelich. And it's been going well for the Brewers. If he's hitting, that whole lineup is hitting. Willie Adamas, uh, Roundy Therese, uh, Owen Miller. I mean, they got a bunch of guys that really are not MVP names, like you said. And I mean, the only one being Yelich that's had a good season for them so far. But I'm going to go on the opposite side, and I'm going to go with Austin Riley. This guy is on a tear right now after the All-Star break. He's hitting 333 after the break, of course. You saw that series against the Diamondbacks, how he was playing. I mean, this guy was hitting home runs left and right. Um, so I, I think he's going to be a huge key contribution for this team and this lineup against the, you know, against the Brewers pitching staff with Freddie Peralta, which Freddie Peralta has been pretty good uh, for them in the past years. Of course, he's been dealing with injuries. And then Julio Tehran and Adrian Hauser. Hauser's been dealing up and down, kind of having a good season. But Julio Tehran, bounce back season for him. So, I think Austin Ronnie being that guy, what, in the three or four spot in that lineup, when you got Acuna in front and Ozzy Albies too, and then you got a guy behind you being Matt Olson, this guy's going to get it. Oh, yeah. I agree with you 100%. That is all for our key matchups. Again, turn on your TVs. Um, if I, I, like, I kind of wish that MLB had like a little red zone where you can have NFL all red zone. I was yeah. about to say the same thing. Like, um, like that'd be great to have because because it, like it's kind of hard to not keep an eye on these great matches, especially now that postseason is so close. These every pitch matters now, every yeah. bad, every game. But again, how we mentioned, the Orioles are are now first place in the AL East, and they are reinforcing their pitching. Ace trade for Shintaro Fujinami to the O's for prospect Easton Lucas. Now, you may look at the orders and be like, Shinsu Fujinami, he got rocked opening day. I think uh, he was a pitcher that when the A's lost like 21 or something in the early yeah. season, he was the starter. He has an 8.57 ERA. He got moved to the bullpen. His whip is 1.66. So you're looking like, why? 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 Yeah. Right? But he's a, Jap he, he's a pitcher from, I believe, Japan. Mm -hmm. And he has great stuff. Like his fastball velocity is an 83 percentile. He again, it, 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 he it's about 98 miles per hour average. But he he has touched 100 before. He has a nasty split finger that ranges around 92 miles per hour. A cutter and a sweeper. 
All right. Now, the sweeper has been. Oh, actually, he has. This is what he throws: fourteen fastballs, fifth finger, cutter, sweeper, slider, sinker, and curveball. God, so that was seven. Yeah, seven different types of pitches. So he has a full arsenal. So this is wow. why, this is why the Baltimore Orioles think uh, thinks they can turn things around with him because that cutter, he's thrown it 147 times. Opponent batting average 182. That split finger, he's thrown in 180 times. Opponent batting average 227. His four, his 14 fastball is the pitch he likes the most. He's thrown in almost 500 times. The opponent batting average is 264, so that's not too bad. Not, like, mm-hmm. well, that's telling me that if he locates a little bit better, he, I mean, again, he has great stuff. I think the Orioles think, I mean, he can turn his guy around, and I mean, their pitching is pretty, uh, pretty big. Good look at Felix Bautista. Look at uh, oh, what's that other guy? Yanir Cano. Yanir Cano. And if you can add Shintaro Fujinami to the back end of the bullpen with that nasty stuff, like, watch out because they're seven, eight and nine. Eight and nine is already dangerous. Yeah. But seven, eight, and nine, if he throws 98 and seven pitches. Plus, I mean, he could be that starting pitcher too because if you look at the Rays, not the Rays, the Orioles starting pitching rotation, it's Kyle Gibson, which he's done really good this season. I'm kind of shocked um, myself. Kyle Bradish, Grayson Rodriguez being the rookie, Tyler Wells, he's had a good season for them as well, and Dean Kramer, which Dean Kramer's been, you know, shaky at times, but he's done good. Um, and then you add a guy like this, Fujinami. I mean, he's had a two, I think he has a 227 ERA in July right now. Mm-hmm. And he's been pitching a little bit good. You know, I think he had two starts already in July. I, I think this could be, you know, a kind of a blessing in disguise for the O's. And I'm pretty sure that the O's are still going to go looking for a starting pitcher at the deadline. So, like you said, if one of these pitchers, and it could be Fuji, going to that bullpen, seven, eight, and nine is going to be ridiculously like dangerous. Oh, yeah. Like I wouldn't even in the lineup. I wouldn't even want to face that. Yeah. So, like, if the Orioles have a lead in the fifth, sixth inning, it's to be harder. Well, they take that away from them. But again. We said blessing in the skies. That's a blessing in the skies for Fujinami as well. He went from the ace to a first place in the AOE. So uh, I'm sure yeah, that's kind of true. I'm sure he's gonna be throwing a lot more meaningful pitches. And I'm not saying I, I mean he's a rookie, so I'm sure he was giving it his all in Oakland. But I think this pitch is gonna be a lot more, a lot more finessing for sure. It, it could be possibly the players added onto the shirt list of great, outstanding players that the uh, the A's had from Simeon. Chapman, Olsen, Hendricks, um, Sean, well, Murphy. Uh, Sean Murphy. I mean, they've had a bunch of good players Man. on their team. Imagine if the A's actually paid these guys to stay with them. Like, and it's crazy because Fuji just signed a contract this past year with the A's. And he's just getting traded just now. But like you said, he's going from a last-place team to a first-place team. So you could be seeing – beneficial starts from him if not starts i mean good appearances coming out of the bullpen yeah for sure for sure but we have we started with a good story now there's a not so good story jared kelenic put on the injured list i don't know if you saw so he was upset after that bat he kicked the water cooler broke his foot and now he's probably likely out for the entire season. This was crucial because Jerry Kennedy has been sensational. Like um, he was one of their t- he is the Mariners one of the top prospects. Came in last year was in uh, I mean he's a little below average under par. And now I think he went on a strong where he had like a home run in like six straight games, seven straight games, something like that. Mm-hmm. And now he's from the Angeles. And this is when the Seattle Mariners are fighting to keep up in the AOS. 
fighting for a wild card spot. So this was a crucial, crucial blow. But this kind of reminds me of like the Salvador Perez injury where he tore his ACL walking down, like when he fell down the stairs or like walking down the stairs as well. So mm-hmm. unnecessary. And then I don't know if you saw the video of him the next day apologizing to the media. He started crying during that interview. Again, I'm sure this is not what he wanted. He was just like frustrated. What's your put on this? Yeah, he let the emotions get the best of him. He should have known too, as a you know, as a player. I know there, there's going to be rough days, and he said in that situation, the game on the line, uh, you know, runners in scoring position for the Mariners, I believe, either to tie it or win the game, and he struck out. This guy has had a great first half of the season, even just season overall. I mean, this he was the top prospect, if you don't remember, in the Mariners farm system at a time. And last year or two years ago, he was not playing well. Goes down to the minors, settles down in AAA for that season. Comes up in spring training. They fix his swing, the mechanics in his swing, everything. And he was tearing the ball up the first half. And he's been a little slow in June and then obviously July. And, and then he said, too, that there he was getting that swing fixed. And it was, you know, he was feeling back to his original self, being that first half Kelnick. And like you said, it's a tough blow because of a team that's fighting for a – I don't know if they're going to really fight for the division now, being I think you're like eight or nine games back from the Astros and the Rangers. At least the wild card. They got the team. This team was a wild card team last year in the in the postseason. They, they, were, a, they were America's team, and they still got the same players from last year. You still got Logan Gilbert, who's a good pitcher. George Kirby's been pitching outstanding. Uh, Luis Castillo – they got the rotation. They got the bullpen. They got the offensive plugs. The plugs being Teoscar Hernandez and Colton Wong right now, they just haven't been hitting the ball like they were when they were with the Blue Jays and Colton Wong being with the Brewers. So it's very unfortunate for, you know, you do feel for him, but at the same time, too, in a situation like that, you got to just some way, somehow, throw something else. Don't Don't use your body to hurt it i mean it's like i said it's very unfortunate for the mariners and for kelnick yeah i agree with you 100 but speaking of mariners we mentioned george kirby and this episode is called Cy young favorites Uh, obviously george kirby's not a Cy young favorite but i do have an interesting stat about him this is coming from mlb metrics george kirby has the most games with one or fewer walks through 50 starts to start a pitching career in major league history wow he has 41 george 41 games with one Walker fewer, George Kirby. The next person is with their nice Chris Paddock. And George Kirby only has 44 career starts. Chris Paddock's hurt too, I think, for the Twins. Because yeah. he was with the Padres and he got traded to the Twins. So, yeah, it sounds, I, I don't know. Honestly. I think it is. I think I think he had a Tommy John again, I think. Um, but, I mean, guy got a low walk rate too. I think he averages like 0. Point something or 0. At literally at 1. Yeah, 0. 0.9. So a little less than that. No, yeah, it's great. So, again, this is a big blow for Seattle. They're 48 and 48 at the season. They're nine and a half games back um, from the AL West. So, yeah, so I think the wild card burst was like what they were aiming for. But, again, a big blow for them. Um, Next, Rob Manfred will likely be reinstated as MLB commission. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, I mean, everybody (laughs) – Fans, they don't like it. Um, personally, me, I'm kind of in the middle, I guess you could say. Uh, 
Uh, I did see something that he's trying to do 2024 for All-Star Week. The old retired players being the home run derby. I don't know if you saw that. I think that would be very cool to see Griffey Jr. back swinging the, you know, swinging the bat with the backwards hat again, uh, since we're talking about the Mariners. But um, him overall, it's kind of been a little so-so. I do like the changes that we're doing with the game with the, you know, two limit, two pickoffs. Um, you get to see that more athleticism from the, uh, from the players, stealing more bases, uh, expanding the base a little bit more from what, 13 or 15 to 18 inches. Now can't remember. It's a little, you can see the difference big time. Um, and then adding another wild card team into the postseason. I like that. I really do. You're giving another team an opportunity to fight for that position. And then obviously you're given the first, you know, team, whoever's the number one guy, number one team in the NLAL gets like a kind of so-so called buy. But um, I mean, I'm in the middle of it. I just don't like what he did with he, he mixing the baseballs. I don't like that. That's just unnecessary. It just needs to be one baseball. Why are we going to be testing these baseballs in the major league themselves instead of doing it in the minor leagues continue doing it in the minor leagues don't do it in the majors if you're going to do it in the majors do it in one year and one ball please because there's unnecessary of having this batch another batch and then another batch over it so yeah. I, i'm in the middle with him i i do like the postseason like i was saying with the, the changes like that um still down with the pitch timer because of fatigue you, players could get hurt um other than that mid yeah, I'm in the middle as well. Again, how you were saying, I don't like the pitch timer, but I do like the universal DH. I do like the wild card expanded to the third. Wild, like It brings a little bit more exciting, gives teams a chance. I do like the expanded bases. I don't like the two big couples. I think <laughs> if, like, if you're already adding the timer, there's no need to be picking off. Like, mm-hmm. And then it just gives the runners the edge. Like The runner already has the edge by the expanded bases. They already have the edge by the pitch clock because they know that, like, if they wait till zero, he has to throw. So, bam, you can get a better jump, you know, stuff like that. So, I think the pickoff will be pretty nice. Um, I don't like that he can escape with the Astros as well when um, everybody else was doing the same thing. You know? uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. He, he didn't want to open the Yankees letter. So, uh, yeah, but, I, like, I'm kind of in the middle with him, too. Like, there's some rules that I agree with, and there's some rules that I, I don't I do like the expansion world tour that he's starting to do now. Oh yeah, I, I like that. That's great. That's great for sure. It's great for the game of baseball being more, uh, you know, expanded everywhere, bringing everybody together. Because that's what baseball is for, right? It's a kids' game. It's bring to pe- bring people together and have fun, enjoy, drink some bruzi- brewskis. Which I saw, like, I know you were mentioning off air that you tried those uh, summer shandies when you went to Wisconsin. I kind of want to try them now. They're really good. Are they? They're really good. I'm not going to lie. They're, I saw yeah. them at Sam's the other day. That's why I was like, ooh. I'm, 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 I'm having to be raised on that because they're, they're really – they're not bad, you know. Honestly, to me, I, I'll give it a, a 9 out of 10. Okay. I might have to try. I might have to get them. But, get, and then also get get a beer uh, – get a uh, brat too while you're at it. All right. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> all right. Again, Sion Favorites is our end of the show. So that is how – I mean, is the name of the show. So that's how we're going to end the show as well. So – uh, Lorenzo, I'm going to ask you, who are your AL and NL Cy Young favorites? And then we'll give it a close. All right. Well, we'll go. What do you want to do? You want to do top two or top three? You can tell me top one if you think. Or oh, like shoot. top you three top is fine, one. too. 
Man, I mean, there's not really a number one really right now. Okay, so give me time. If you three. think about it right now, like we just saw it right there. Zach Gallen and Spencer Strider are the top two guys in the National League Cy Young race. There's no – I don't think – I mean, if you can name me another guy, Clayton dude. I, who? Clayton Kershaw's doing pretty good. But he's been hurt. Yeah. He's been good, but hurt. Uh, them two right now, I mean, they've been healthy. They haven't missed a start. I think right now – where they're doing right now in baseball, it's been a strider. I mean, with that strikeout rate and Zach Gallen with the scoreless innings, it's going to be a dogfight for them to uh, to figure out who's going to win Cy Young. Spencer Strider was a uh, what top five last year. Zach Gallen, I think, was top, top five, five last year. Um, so I got both them guys on on um, Cy Young for the National League, American League. Now, this is where it gets a little tricky. Framber Valdez has been doing very well for the Astros. Next up. Garrett Cole is another guy I would say too is doing really really well for the Yankees, which we're gonna have to talk about next episode about how the Yankees are doing right now. They just lost the series against the the Rockies and then they just got swept by the Angels. So that were that is a topic of discussion for the next steps. Uh but yeah, I mean he's been having a good season for the Yanks. Shane McClanahan's another one. Nathan Uvaldi has been pitching great for the Rangers. Especially with Jacob DeGrom being out, no one is being kind of like the Cy, the ace of that team, and Uvaldi kind of stepped up for that. American League right now, it's just wide open. Nationally, you kind of narrow it down to two, but American League, it's going to be down to the wire, I think, when it comes to September. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. Those are my guys. I think the National League special striders I got in. I do think that in has a little bit of an edge. Like, yeah, Strider has the, uh, the strikeout numbers, but uh, Gallen has the ERA, ERA plus. The WHIP is lower too, so you know, like the FIP as well is uh, I'm as lower for Gallen as well. So mm-hmm. um, on that end, and for the a, for the AO, I think Framber Valdez could win his first Cy Young, but he is competing with Gary Cole, like you said, Shane McClanahan as well. I think you, Uvaldi, we can put him in a conversation. He did have that long stretch, but if Framber Valdez didn't win it with 25 consecutive quality starts, it's kind of hard, to, you know to win it if you're your body. So I would say those top three guys, Cole, uh, Framber, and Shane McClanahan. Yeah. Uvaldi's had a good season. Um, this, I think the second half, I don't know how many starts he's had, but uh, overall, I mean, he, he's looked really good. That's been, a, honestly, that was a steal for the Rangers at the at the offseason when it was the winter meetings. But that is all for our show for today. Like Angel said, we're going to end it on the Cy Young favorites and the title of our show. Uh, follow us at the track. MLB on Twitter as well. Continue to subscribe to our channels. We're fairly new. Third episode, Angel. This is third in the books. Google, Spotify, and Apple. Uh, of course, we'll start getting some things here and there to start up the show as well. But, Angel, you got anything else before we sign off? No, thank you for the support. I know we're, like we're just starting off. We do have the Full Seam Ahead podcast. Listen to us, them, as well. If you like what we're saying about um, – the Astros, that's where we focus on the Astros. But, again, we're trying to expand a little bit, talk about Major League Baseball. So, thank you for the support. Yeah, Major League Baseball, of course, that is this show. Of course, we'll be, like we did, Fashion Friday. Uh, we'll look at some other things, some culture. We'll interview some players, too. We'll probably have it on here if we can. If we can try, uh, we will let y'all know. But other than that, that's the rest of our show. Y'all have a good weekend. Have a safe weekend out there. And we will talk to y'all next week. Peace.